Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Some Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and welcome to the 2023 It's Some Amazing Year-End Awards. With me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining us this week, the legend himself and new It's Some Amazing Picks champion, Lavender Gooms. That's how I would like to be introduced. Every week until I lose this belt, Each which shit. will be never. I'm beating you by 15 next year. That's not happening. But one thing that always happens is every week, I wish you guys a happy National Winers Day, which is what these two will be doing all year. All right. Okay. A happy National Thank You Note Day. And considering this is the day after Christmas, I hope at the very least you two were very grateful for any presents that you received from your loved ones. Yeah, you usually don't give a note, but it's usually an immediate thank you. This is a nice I never felt the necessity to to post anything for thank you, but interesting. Well, you know what? In 2023, a thank you text will count as a thank sure. you note. Sure. Yeah. Mike, thank you for spending $150 just to lose in our gift battle. I appreciate it. It's all, it's all about the glory of the game, Bobby. I'll do it again next year, and I probably will. Uh, a happy National Boxing Day. Uh, I know that is a British holiday, but I figured it's a combat sports related, it sounds like. I have no idea what Boxing Day is, but I'm assuming it's uh, celebrating Ricky Hatton. There was some boxing today, too, and Noah won. So there you go. Yeah, your boy. And, of course, a happy National Candy Cane Day. Hey, great. He had a prop, too. Hope well everybody, done, grab, hope everybody enjoyed their... This, sorry, Grab guys. this right off of the Christmas tree. Hope everybody enjoyed their uh, Saturnalia as well. Hope they enjoyed that. That wrapped up, you know, yesterday. The week-long nice. celebration. Um, anyway. Yeah, hope you guys had a nice Christmas, though. Those of you who celebrate, hope anybody... I don't know when Kwanzaa is, but... If you had that, hope you it enjoyed started it. started yesterday, Bobby. Hope you have a good Kwanzaa. Anybody who doesn't celebrate, anybody who had, I know Hanukkah wrapped up like a week or so ago. So everybody had it. It's the holiday season. You say happy holidays, not because you're trying to attack Christians, but because you're a fucking person. And, you know, everybody's not celebrating the same shit for the love of God. Also, Jesus wasn't born in December. He was born in June. Just letting you now, know Bobby, that. Do you want to lead us in the Harambe salute? I'm honestly that means something totally different to the kids these days. The Harambe salute. It means a whole bunch we're talking about a gorilla. Um, but yeah, just saying. That's why I said Saturnalia. We just jacked the holiday from the pagans. Um anyway, um this is our award show, guys. Um we don't have a ton of categories because quite frankly, we realize a lot of these categories I think are bullshit, and you end up saying the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again. And quite frankly, I think we have like two people winning like a bunch of awards already here. Feels like, at least on my case, yeah. um, 
honestly with the you know some of these where we're gonna do that and then we're gonna do uh three things we disliked from this year or hated each of us but we want to end positively so we're gonna end with three things we actually liked um and what I would consider the year 2023 to be in terms of quality not the best year just putting that out there but in terms of mm-hmm. and in terms of me being not embarrassed by this sport probably failed there too um, but we'll get into it. Um, I think, guys, looking at our list here, I think we go with the male and female fighters of the awards last, and we start off with fight of the year and work our way to, you know, this means nothing to anybody listening, but sure. right to left, basically, is what I'm getting at. All right, fight of the year. A um, lot of good, honestly, you know, when you've put out fucking, let's say, 45 cards, each one's got 15 fights on it. You got like 600 fights to pick from. So um, you hit some good ones. Um, and as usual, we did only UFC fights, which just happens, man. It's the way it is. All right. I'm sorry. Um, there were some good ones in Bellator now that I think about it. But here we are. couple nominees. All right. We got the fourth matchup between Figueroa and Moreno. Um, every one of those fights was good, quite frankly. We had Glover Teixeira versus um, Jamal Hill. Back in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken, where Jamal became light heavyweight champion. Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. Just a fucking battle, man. Just lightweight was so good this year, guys. Um, Jeff Neal giving Shavkat Rachmanov still his toughest test. Um, had to get finished with like a standing. They're calling it a standing rear naked choke, I believe, Marcus. But it kind of was more like, I don't know, it was like half a bulldog choke too, it felt like. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Justin Gaethje luring Rafael Fazeev into a Justin Gaethje fight. Justin Gaethje, I think, has won this award for, uh, for us. Like, each of us has given it to him at least twice, I think, if not three times. Um, Moreno versus Pantoja 3, the battle for the flyweight championship. Uh, one of the real bright spots of this year, including Pantoja's wonderful post-fight um, speech. And then uh, the battle of number one versus number two pound for pound, uh, Islam Mahachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, I will lead this one off. Um, I was going, I thought this was a two horse race, honestly, for me personally. Obviously, this is very subjective. Um, some people are just about like exactly the action. Some people is the circumstance. This fight for me was everything good about MMA, I thought, in one fight. I didn't have to, like, hear about someone's dead father. I didn't give a shit who was, what was going on with someone's politics. Nobody was, they were not talking shit for the sake of talking shit. You know, and we had some weird, like, IV stuff or glove wrapping, or whatever the nonsense was afterwards. That's just standard fight stuff. Like, this was the best two fighters in the world. Um, this was UFC 284, so it was a month before John Jones came back. So I'm going to confidently say, at the time, these were the two best fighters in the world. Alexander Volkanovsky having to beat Max Holloway three fucking times to get this opportunity and just smoking through his weight class. And Islam Mahachev, man, being, a, you know, the new Habib, the new pride of Dagestan, the new pride of American Kickboxing Academy, the new lightweight king. The man went to Australia to fight him. We forget that. He went to Australia to fight this man. And it was incredible. And, you know, came out of it thinking, oh, Islam won the fight, but Alex won the war because he was winning at the end. And I loved it. I loved every moment of this fight. It made me so happy. It was in a year where I thought this sport embarrassed itself multiple times with the outside the cage and sometimes inside the cage bullshit. This fight to me really was the best of what MMA can offer. And, um, you know, 
I, I loved it personally. So that's my fight of the year. Um, let's go to Mark on this one here. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, yeah, so for my favorite fight of the year, and again, like, it is tough because like Bobby said, and if there's one thing in an ideal world that I should be helping with, um, it's keeping track of these fights of the year. Because throughout the year, I remember multiple times being like, let's remember to write this one down for fight. Of the-, and we just forget. There's just so many freaking fights. Um, so these ones were obviously like high scale. They're also like, there's all, all like main events, right? But I'm sure there's like, like you said. There's great stuff on one in Bellator. It just slips through the cracks. I mean, last year you last to... year you rightfully pointed out, hey, Matt Fravola had a banger. Put it on there. Like it's Fravola versus like Samarji. I remember last year you're like, don't forget. I thought it was Chanel, right? Wasn't that? Oh, Chanel? that Chanel. Or was that two years? There ago? we go. Whatever you called yeah. it out, and I remember that one because it was close enough to the thing. But you're right. We should and write just, these down. Like as I mean, when, when it comes to the end of the year, it's just like I. I mean, Bobby does all. Real talk, guys. I go to Topology yeah. and I'm looking at the fights exactly. it says, and I'm just like, do I remember it? Is really where it comes yeah. out to. So I mean, we were kind of it. relying on just like the general public. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably some fights that we're forgetting that would because for me, it's always about the fight itself. It's not necessarily. I mean, I think when there's a title on the line, there's more stakes. I think that does raise it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just want a good fight with a lot of heart, a back and forth that tells a story. And that's why my favorite fight, you know, of the ones we have here was Moreno and Pantoja three. Um, I think there is a lot of fights this year. I mean, one of the things I'm going to talk about, you know, on the stuff we like and dislike and stuff is like, there's just so many, like, not just upsets in the sports, but like upsets that created new stars, more or less. And I think Pantoja definitely for me was a guy that, you know, to Bobby's credit too, like you have been putting Pantoja like on our radar for a while. Like, Hey, we got to watch out for this guy. He's doing really well. He has a lot of big victories. He's coming up in the rankings. He's probably going to fight for a title, but like, I don't think me and Mike were like super familiar with Pantoja leading up to this fight. Like maybe I saw him fight, but it was one of these things that probably just went in and out of my memory. So this was his big coming out party, right? right? This is going to be his big opportunity in front of a lot of people. And man, did he shine. Not only did he have just a fantastic fight with Moreno where they were going back and forth. He showed so much heart. And again, like we talked about a few weeks ago, leading up to his title defense, it was one of these fights where the commentary team was telling a different story than what we were seeing in the fight. And even they eventually towards the end started realizing, oh, yeah, like what I'm saying, what I'm describing as the fight and what's actually happening in the fight is starting to change and not be what I my narrative in my head. It's not Moreno's looking so good and Moreno's doing this and that's like Pan- this guy Pantoja is not stopping. He looks exhausted. It looks like he's about to give up at any minute, but he does not stop. He keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and that's really like so like his performance in the fight itself super impressed me i was just so impressed with his heart determination and his skill and then you know to cap it all off and, and again something that you know if you know you've been a fan of the show and you listen to us do commentary or you know listen to us talk about the fights after the fact a lot of times i don't even listen to the guys talk after the fight because it's, it's a bunch of garbled malarkey or it's just you know a lot of these personalities i don't need to hear more of it i just want to see the action this was a post-fight speech that really spoke to the heart, right? Like this guy had came from broken home. His, his dad left him early on. And you could tell that was a driving force for him was not only to get this victory for his family to, you know, secure the financial, but to prove to the world that he is somebody and that you need to respect him. He was a fucking him. Uber driver. And remember that, he was a fucking Uber driver. Like yeah, a year oh and a half. Like they t- <laughs> yeah. the UFC realized maybe we don't need to tell that story, but it came out. We're like, this guy was an Uber fi- driver two years ago. Cause he couldn't get a fight with these guys yeah. going. And, and it's just one of those things like, we've seen a lot of people and we'll talk about it, you know, later in the show too, like kind of put on an act and kind of put, you know, try to 
create some kind of aura around themselves or create a personality. And in his post-fight speech, like, you really saw the truth in that person. When he said, like, Dad, are you proud of me now? Like, you can't fake that emotion. This dude's not that good of an actor to put on that kind of performance after a fight like that. Like, that was him speaking from the heart. And for me, this division was almost dead. Like, Mighty Mouse was so good. We had a guy that was so good, he killed all enthusiasm in the in the whole division. Where, like, when they finally let... when they traded him for Ben Askren. They're like, everyone's like, this division might just die because no one cares about it whatsoever. And Mark, if I may add in, you talk about um, Mighty Mouse. One thing, the one, pretty much the only thing I was going to add because I picked this fight as well is that <clears throat> this is the third time these guys had fought. The first time they fought was an exhibition in the round of 16 in that season of the Ultimate Fighter I think all of us made fun of where it was mm-hmm. they got champions from all around like every like every different promotion it seems like mm-hmm. and these two uh were champions of uh what Pantoja's champion I'm just looking it up now Resurrection Brazil, Fighting Alliance mm-hmm. and Moreno of World Fighting Federation so to think that these guys came from being Moreno know, was the 16 seat of that fucking thing too I think also yeah. as I was with Ra- yeah round of 16 to you know where, did they headline this card or co or, or co main event co, you know, yeah. for the for the UFC title? Go go ahead, uh, Mark. Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, all that stuff is like it's just it's so interesting because like Bobby's obviously a big DJ fan. I, I've always been. Dude, he was trying out video game just, stuff at the end because he was winning so easily. He was throwing dudes it, in the air doing arm bars because he had winning that thing. easily. Like, it just it got to a point where like it just a lot of his fights weren't competitive and it made the whole division just kind of seem very stale. So it's so cool now that like we've had we had a huge trilogy with Moreno and Figueredo for so long and that and those two guys were fantastic and now now to see Pantoja kind of take that mantle and be his own star. So now we you know we have Moreno I think is a certified star. Pantoja is a star. And you know I know the last fight with uh, Pantoja and Roy Vell wasn't super compelling, but getting to you know watching some of the count up for Roy Vell, like I started liking that guy too. So this is a division where I'm seeing more of the personalities and I'm getting interested in more of the fighters there. Whereas, you know, before it was kind of a wasteland and it was about to go by, you know, to, to the wayside. So I think having big fights like this that are not only just like super engaging and fun, but are telling a human story and hopefully getting more of the fans engaged is really what that division has needed and has been getting for the last couple of years. And I'm really excited because a couple of years ago, you could have said like, oh, yeah, DJ's leaving. We're going to kill the division. Dude, they were promoted, dude, we had TJ Dillashaw being like, I'm here to kill the flyweight division. Yeah, like, what is this thing. weird? Yeah. By the way, shout out to the dude retiring so he can take a bunch of supplements and get his shoulder put together. Shout out to DJ. To TJ. Mike, do you have anything you want to add to this? I know you picked the same one, but I was going to let you go on the other one, the next one more, to be honest. That was my plan. Um, <laughs> no, not not so much to add here. Uh, Mark laid it all, all out pretty well. Um, One other thing I would add is sometimes you want to root for one particular fighter um i i would say less less of that as i get older um brandon moreno was a very likable champion um, mm. for many reasons mm-hmm. um you know big family man loves lego loves funko pops i can get behind the fun fights like a motherfucker just yeah brawler. that as well <laughs> um and alex winning there were there wasn't any losers in regards to the people who watch because you know we got to see that 
his emotions laid bare. Um, this was a man who fought through a lot and um, didn't have the best upbringing growing up, I would assume, um, considering the message he gave to his dad. Remember Brandon so, Remember Brandon watched the fight and said, yeah, I think I lost. <laughs> He's like, I think I lost. None of that bullshit. Like, it was a close fight. I was like, yeah, don't think I won this one. And I was like, yeah, no one's an asshole in that one. Mike was nice, huh? <laughs> no, no one was an asshole there. We all won. Um, and uh, they win, uh, you know, my best fight of the year. Yeah, to you guys taking that one. I doubt it was a two-horse race for me. It was those two. But I also, spoiler alert, I didn't decide it yet, and I saw you two had picked that one, and I'm, part of me is like, I thought about it, and I was like, I think I want to give recognition to what was, for me, such a great moment, you know. All right, we're going to do, you guys want to do the KO or sub, or do you want to do best card? I know I said I'm going to go right to left, but what do you guys think? Um, let's keep on just going right to left. Why okay. don't we just go with best card? Best card. These are our nominees. Um, I'm not going to break into all these cards. We'll talk about, you know, the winners, and maybe at the end we'll throw some interesting things that happen about the ones we don't pick. We got UFC 291, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje 2. We got uh, UFC 287, the rematch, Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. We got UFC 290, which was International Fight Week, if I'm not mistaken. Volkanovski versus Rodriguez. Um, was that also Pantoja Moreno? I think so. I think that were both. I think, so. I think they were both on there. Um, UFC 283, the aforementioned Teixeira versus Hill fight, headlining that one. UFC's return to I think Brazil's when they they went to Brazil then. UFC 284, the aforementioned Makachev versus Volkanovski card in Australia. Um, I think it was Australia or New Zealand, one of the two. Um, and then finally, UFC 285, the return of Mr. Johnny Bones Jones coming in to, re to claim the heavyweight title. And Cyril gone embarrassing an entire nation. Anyway, um, my, Mike, let's go with you first here, man. What was your pick for this? Uh, yeah, so for me, my pick was uh, UFC 285, uh, Jones versus Gone. For me... Um, I think between the three of us, uh, it's pretty well established. I am the most basic of MMA fans between the three of us. Um, while I will enjoy a very hard-fought decision, give me some finishes, give me some people getting choked out or submitted in some way. So for me, my criteria when it comes to picking best fight card of the year is I always like to see, all right, how many people had to tap out or how many people had their lights put out during this card? Um, that's one criteria. And then the other is, what were the stakes during some of these fights? Was this just the early prelim or was this some, you know, people who are both in the top five? Was it a number one contender fight? Those are the things I like to consider as well. And with this card... <laughs> There were four submissions in the main card. Um, Drikas, who will later <coughs> be challenging for the title, um, got a TKO. Uh, Ian Gary, everyone's favorite cuck, got a TKO in the early prelims. <laughs> oh, come the on, man can't live. Come on, you got it? Yo, okay, come on, get some Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then also just considering the stakes of some of, of these fights. Uh, this is where Alexa Grasso won the, the championship off of Shevchenko, uh, slain the Goliath of the division. And 
John Jones coming back and winning the title against the uh, Surreal Gone. So for me, those are the reasons why I picked it as the best fight card of the year. Um, also, Jesus, maybe we don't see John Jones again. I mean, oh, it was nice back. to see him. He'll be back. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I got I got what you did. I'll pick you back off you. I did. I picked the same card you did, and not because it was the most financially lucrative card for me of the year. Also, um, number one being this card, number two being Leon Edwards. But uh, shout out to John Jones being barely a favorite in a cage fight ever. Um, God bless it, Mike. I made so much money on that. I made so much money on John Jones. Shout out. Might be the only reason I didn't go negative on MMA this year. Might be John what Jones. Was, what was the thought process there? Oh, he's rusty. Was that it? I don't know, but I had John Jones by submission. I had John Jones in round one. I had John. I don't have him in round two. I had John Jones in rounds one or two. I had John Jones in rounds one, two, or three. I had John Jones uh, beating this French dude not as quickly as he did, but I'm like, he's going to take him down, and this is going to be a fucking wrap. And it went down somehow funny. He was underdog when it started. He closed at minus 186. So. So my brother told me when the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year, he's like, this is a generational gambling opportunity that you're never going to see Patrick Mahomes be an underdog in a fucking Super Bowl. Um, may not be true, but anyway. Um, I uh, Spoiler, I mean, this isn't a spoiler alert. You're going to go to our next category, which is best submission, and the top three fights of this card are all on the best submission nominees. Um, and it's not just me saying that. This is me reading around. Everybody else has got similar nominees for best submission. You got John Jones coming back, man. He's the best ever. I mean, I think the GOAT is either him or John or GSP, you know, depending on how good GSP looks with his hair these days on Instagram. I'm like, man, maybe he's the best. And everybody's such a nice guy. And everybody's such an asshole. But you got John Jones coming back. He smokes this this dude. He smokes Cyril Gon, embarrasses him. Embar it beats him so bad that I don't know what Cyril Gon's going to have to do for me to take him seriously in a title fight. Okay, it was that bad. Um, you got Alexa Grasso beating Valentina Shevchenko, and we can after the fact tell you guys like, oh, she was slipping and yada, 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 and someone was going to get her. Hey, man, I thought she won the rematch. Ended up being a draw because that weird judging. Valentina's still Valentina, and Alexa Grasso fucking took that from her. She squeezed and would not let it go. We had that Jeff Neal Shavkat fight. We had uh, we had T Turner and Gamrod had a good fight. Bo Nichols ran through that dude. And yeah, I didn't even think about the undercard. There was good stuff on there too. So I that was for me fight of the fight card of the year is UFC 285. Marcus, what did you have? Uh yeah, when we were looking through our nominations, I mean, one, I thought it was interesting that all these cards were grouped so close together. Mm. <laughs> like definitely the UFC had like a run where we were getting really good pay-per-view cards. And, and you know, I think for the most part, you know, when you do have most of the best talent in this sport. You can put together pretty good pay-per-view cards. Right? We, we do have some stinkers every now and then. And they're stinkers. We really call them out because we're paying top dollar. But I think all of these all kind of filled that kind of criteria of like really good. And I was mainly looking at the, the main card because we're really looking at like. You know, Me too. What honestly. are we paying for? Um, I ended up going with uh, UFC 290 Volkanovski and uh, Rodriguez. Um, it had my fight of the year. It also had Whitaker and um, DDP. Um, and I think there's a couple other decent fights on there as well. Uh, yeah, Turner and Hooker, which I thought was really good. And we had Bonicle, you know, just washing through. Um, we, had, it, we had we had uh, drunk Izzy get in the cage and call Drickus the N-word also. That was another real highlight for this fucking card. <laughs> and I think this is also, which I'll, we'll talk about in the, in the things we liked, uh, Robbie Lawler's last fight and the prelims too, which, you know, small credit there as well. Um, 
but really it was just i thought this was just a really fun card i mean it put ddp on the map whether regardless of what you think about him as a person which i think you should think very low of him as a person but like the whitaker fight was a big stepping stone right like he was getting up into title contention, but he hadn't really collected the scalps to really solidify himself there. And Whitaker's that dude. You beat that guy, you're getting a title shot. This is like the guy that is always, you know, bridesmaid. Never, oh, you can't really say he's never the the the, uh, the bride because dude, dude was carrying that uh that mantle for a good long time before Izzy showed up. But you know, if you can beat Whitaker, that really strings a strong message out there. Um, and the rest of the card, I thought was just fun, entertaining fight. So. I do think all of our nominees, and I was looking through all the events, they all kind of fit that criteria. Like, there's meaningful fights, there's good fights. I don't think there's a lot you could really go wrong with, but I just ended up at, at uh, one, uh, 290 just because it had my fight of the year and some of these other. And I thought Vulcan yeah, year was really good too. Great card. Uh, you man. are. That was a great card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Real quickly, we had 283 on there. UFC 283 was Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira, Brandon Moreno slaying Figueroa in the fourth fight. Burns and Magny, where mm-hmm. Burns fucking just jujitsu his ass. Uh, Johnny Walker backhanding Paul Craig was pretty cool. You guys remember that one? That was pretty sick. Yep. Uh, 284 had the aforementioned fight of the year for me. I imagine a top two or three fight for the guys here as well with Islam versus uh, Volk One, Yair and Emmett for the top for the interim title. Can Justin Taffa smoked a guy in a minute. Uh, Jimmy Crude and Menafield went to war. It was a good fight card there. 287 had uh, Izzy detonating his right hand on Pereira's face. That might come up again. Spoiler alert there. Burns, uh, Masvidal. Um, I think Masvidal retired in that one after he lost to Burns, I think. I think so. I think it was in Miami, too. So. That's when the UFC decided they can actually sell tickets in Miami. They got a $12 million gate in Miami. This is why we're going back to Miami in three months. Uh, Rob Font and Adrian Yanez for three minutes was a lot of fun. Kevin Holland smoking Ponzinibbio. A lot of fun. Um, UFC 290, Mark mentioned it already. Uh, Great card there. Yeah. All right. uh, Best submission. Uh, We got Blanchfield rear naked choking Andrade in the main event of a fight night card. We got Burns arm triangling Magny, as just mentioned, at UFC 283. We got Yair Rodriguez triangling Josh Emmett back for the interim title at UFC 284. Uh, did I get that right, 284? Yeah, 284, yeah. And then we have the aforementioned top three fights from UFC 285. Grasso rear naked choke Shevchenko. Uh, Jones guillotine gone. And Rachmanov standing rear naked slash bulldog thing on Jeff Neal. I got Grasso versus Shevchenko, man. In terms of consequence and like what it did and what it meant, her beating Shevchenko was a big deal, man. That was a big deal. She beat, she beat, she slayed the dragon, man. She did it. You know, we always give credit to the, like that thing and this, uh, this, on this, you know, giving, taking down a big champion like that. And she squeezed. I mean, I mean, she, when the, she was squeezing with everything she had, she was not going to give that up. And when it let go, do you guys remember like the line you saw, the white? from where her arm was draped across, like, the jawline to the red, the rest of Valentina's face. And I'm a big Valentina fan, you know. That was, you know, you know, that was that was amazing. That was, for me, submission of the year. Mark? Yeah, same. I mean, and it really all had to do with, you know, not necessarily, you know, the submission itself, but just who it was against and, and what it meant. You know, Shemenko had been so dominant leading up to that fight. I don't recall any of us really thinking Alexa Grasso had much of a shot. You know, she has always come 
from you know a primary stand-up background you know and that's another area where shamenko has always really shined at as well as being extremely versatile in the ground game and stuff like that so it really just seemed like Grasso on paper was just not going to be able to compete and you know she hung in there and was able to pull off that you know amazing submission and then you know later on in the year go on and prove that you know she is of the quality to hang in in there with uh Shomenko. so you I'm know excited that for was the a third big one coming too, man. we're gonna do it a third time soon yeah. they both broke their hand we're gonna get soon and if I if I recall correctly it kind of kicked off what I kind of feel was a lot of well maybe maybe Leon Edwards last year like a lot of these kind of upsets with these really dominant champions that we kind of just thought like, I don't know who's going to be able to beat them. Um, and we saw a number, of, one mistake. A number of them kind of fall this year. You just yep. make one mistake on a lot of these. Mike, what do you got with this one? Yep, I've got the same one. And for basically the reasons that you guys uh, indicated, um, a submission or a knockout when it involves a legend being taken down, it's going to have, I think, more significance, and I think it should. Um, all right, knockout of the year. We got O'Malley knocking out Aljamain Sterling with that beautiful right hand. We got Barboza. This one almost won for me. Barba didn't win, spoiler alert. Barboza kneeing uh, Billy Quarantillo, or Quillo. I don't just call him Billy, Billy Quarantillo, but it's Quarantillo. Like, right? Like, what are we doing? Um... I enjoy that one because he knocked that man out, and then while the man was still out, he was explaining to his corner what the mistakes the fighter made, uh, why he was able to knock out their fighter. I love Edson Barboza. That one. I talk more. I'm going to talk myself into this being my number one. Um, Josh Emmett causing Bryce Mitchell to have seizures a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Mark, right, a little bit of recency bias probably, but Jesus Christ. You know it was a bad knockout when the guy is thanking you after the fight, saying thank you for not hitting a follow-up punch. Um, Israel Bonfim, one of the Bonfim brothers. I think the lesser one. I think Gabriel might be better, but Bonfim hit that double knee on my guy T-Rex. I've lost so much betting on T-Rex fights this year. So much. So much. Every one of them I got wrong somehow. Um, Justin Gaethje exercising the demon of Dustin Poirier, kicking him upside the head and winning that fake belt. Um... BMF title back at UFC 291. And then Israel Adesanya up against the cage, looking like we're about to see a repeat of New York City, detonating an overhand right on top of Alex Pereira's face, then doing the Archer celebration, which means more to me now after Christmas than it did before. Thank you, Mike. Um, Welcome. Yeah, I got Izzy. That was awesome. That was so cool. I watched that so many times. I watched that so many times. And he mocked the man's child. It was amazing. Every part of that was hilarious. Um, I enjoyed these two's fights, and if they're going to do it again one more time, cool, but I don't really think I need to see Izzy at 205. I don't want to see Pereira at less than 205, so if this is what we get. I'm cool with it, and like, you know, you call Izzy exercising his demons with that strike, man, too. Like, that was three losses to this man. He lost three fucking times to this guy in two sports, you know? That was amazing, so that was it for me. Um, Mark, I know where you're going, so let's go to you next. <laughs> Yeah, I also had uh, Izzy beating uh, Pereira. And for me, I mean, it, it really was the kind of storyline leading up to it that it just seemed like Alex just had his number. Like, this guy just can't beat him. Like, he's just – sometimes you run into those rivals that no matter how many times you, you know, you try your hat at it, you just can't get it right. So it was cool to see him, you know, come on top. Now, personally, I never really liked Izzy that much. There's always something about his personality that rubbed me the wrong way. And all the shit you talked about at the end, Bobby, is just like 
This is why I don't like the guy. He's you didn't like the arrows thing? at him. He's that was cool. I, it was it was I, cool. I in think the moment, it's but the it talking shit to his son. Oh, that was funny. His son I got to see your point. Yeah, I mean, his. I mean, I guess his son talked shit to him before, but it's also like a child. So get the <laughs> fuck over it. Like, like that's why. Like, is he just the guy? Like, he's so talented. And I was coming around on him after a while. I was like, you know what? Like, there's something I don't like about this guy. I don't think he's performed as good as he could in the UFC, even though he was on like a fucking run. And you know, then he pulls some shit like this, and he's like, all right, like you know, it, it's fine. You know, you don't have to like. Everyone out I mean, there, how, look at who the champion was... is now, middleweight, for the love of God. <laughs> so, I know. And it's all like, things well, considered, Izzy's a saint. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, I mean, it just like, just personality wise, he just always kind of brought me the wrong way for whatever reason. Um, but I was happy to see him kind of like come over this hurdle, right? Because it was one of these things where just like everyone's kind of counting him out. You just can't beat this guy. He's just a better combat sport athlete, you know? I didn't see how he was going to be able to catch Pereira. And he did. He got that big KO punch, and he put his lights out, and, and good on him, you know. The the victories didn't last long after that, and, and maybe it was just a mileage thing. But, um, you know, he got to put that to rest, so good on him. Mike, you have a different uh, one. You, Bob. Uh, you guys cut out for a sec. Uh, what what, what do you guys got? just said? What do you got? Oh, um, for me... It's going to be a bone theme, Fellaini versus McKinney. Um, it was for me between um, between Emmett and bone theme, mainly because both of those guys, it was just the lights just completely went out. As soon as they got touched, um, Bryce Mitchell, he went down like a sack of potatoes, uh, started convulsing. Uh, McKinney, he folded right at the right at the at the torso, and fell like uh, someone like a cyborg, just like operating system, just had to be rebooted. And between the two, if what puts you out like that is a flying double D as opposed to a punch, I'm gonna take that one every time. Fair enough. Um, all right, female fighter of the year. This one's gonna be quick. Um, Alexa Grasso, Aaron Blanchfield, Tatiana Suarez, Amanda Nunes, Zhang Wei Li, Macy Barber, all women who had great years. It's one choice here for me. It's Alexa Grasso. She did it, man. Simple as that. She did it. And I don't think anybody else did anything, uh, nearly in the zip code of what she achieved this year. Made herself a goddamn star while at it, too. So, um, not that that matters necessarily, but if it matters to people, she went 1-0-1, but I don't care about that one. That one did it for me. So, I got Alexa Grasso. Mike? Yeah, I've got Alexa Grasso as well. For me, the other deciding factor is a lot of these women that were on this list, while they had great wins in 2023, they only fought like once. Why, why did women, I feel like all the ranked women fought like once or twice at most this year. What the fuck happened this year? Only Jessica and Josh fought like six times for some reason. And that's because she had to apparently pay the divorce yeah, for, her, and, for her husband or something. And I feel Macy fought a few times too, but I like Aaron Blanchfield fought like two times two times when it was all said and done. Like we saw her in November, and I think she fought two times total after that. Right? I think when I looked earlier today, I think Macy only fought Oh, she fought twice, actually. Yeah, she did but fight like, twice. Blanchfield fought twice. 
Why? Why? You know what I'm saying? What are we doing here? Mark, do you got who do you got also for this one? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Alexa Grasso is – you can't deny her. Um, and, you know, we talked about it when it happened, and it's only going to become more and more true after the fact. Like, that draw doesn't really feel like a draw or a loss. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going home with the belt. Feels like you won, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that It was a close fight. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like we thought she it lost. Was. It was very close. It was. But at the end of the fight, they're like, oh, how'd you feel about, like, the fight? He's like, well, I won. And, like, well, you drew. And he's like, bitch, do you see the belt around my waist? Sure feels like I won. I didn't lose the belt. So, um, I mean, the only other ones here for me, like, I think Blanchfield had a great coming out year, mm-hmm. right, where she really solidified herself as, like, I, I use it way too much, like a generational talent, you know, someone that I think really has a skill level above what we normally see um, in that division. And then Amanda Nunes, I mean, look, she she her last fight wasn't super impressive, but that's tying the bow on that career, right? And that wasn't a fantastic career. When was the last time Whaley fought? I don't know. Was it Lemos? I don't remember. Was that a fight? Did I make that fight up in my head? No, oh, that, that was great. her last fight. The one time she fought once. Yes. Yeah. So not 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 a ton to take from some of the I, other. What, I need to explain so. to me what's happening here with the women's divisions. Also, Whaley talking to. About fighting Alexa is cool and all, but I'm going to need Tatiana Suarez. I've been saying that's Tatiana's belt for five straight champions. Let's just make this shit happen, okay? Either Whaley has to fight Tatiana or she has to fight... Um, I forgot the other Chinese fighter's name, and I feel like an asshole. You guys help me out. Yan Shonan. Yan Shonan, thank you. Nice Why aren't we booking that? Why aren't we going to... Weren't they going to go to China and they had to change the card? Why didn't they just go to China with this... These people are terrible promoters. They just fail. They're failing upward. They just, just, just they succeed despite themselves. It's a whole different conversation. All right. Uh, male fighter of the year. Sean O'Malley becomes a bantamweight champion of the world. One fight. He fought one time. Jolton Almeida uh, fought a few times, but fucked up all the goodwill in that last one, but did not lose. Did not lose. Uh, Alexander Pantoja, I believe, went 2-0. Won the flyweight title and defended it successfully. Which, this day and age, successfully defending the flyweight title is a fucking achievement, guys. Like, the way this is, is they just, it's like we just throw two fucking, you know, rats in a bag. And they fucking, 25 minutes later, we have a winner. The way these guys are all throwing down. Leon Edwards, 2-0. Beat Kamara Usman again. Uh, embarrassed Colby Covington. Might have embarrassed himself a bit, too, there. Look, Colby Covington did, so. Uh, Sean Strickland. Uh, beat Nasruddin Imavov. Some guy named Abus I lost 25 bucks on. Then he beat Israel Adesanya, 3-0 year. And then Islam Makachev beat Alex Volkanov, beat the number two ranked pound-for-pound fighter once, and then I think he was three when he beat him the second time. Uh, that time on short notice. I know where you guys are going. Let me just say mine real quick. I pretty much just had it as a two-horse race between Sean Strickland and Islam Makachev. I lean with Islam just because I found his two wins more impressive than Sean's three, but I won't argue with you guys if you found his three wins more impressive. And he slayed Izzy, which is cool and all. And I also, the fact that we'd seen Izzy lose at 185 the previous year took a little bit of away from me, but I do remember how fucking the odds were against Sean. It was hilarious how bad the odds were. And him winning was amazing. But for me, Islam Mahachev, I'm trying to find if... uh, I'll do that while you guys are talking, what we did last year so we can compare. But I feel Islam might have won last year for a few of us while I'm thinking about it. But... um, uh, Mike, why don't you leave this one off? Actually, no, Mark, go with you this time. Sorry. Mark, what do you got for uh, Fighter of the Year? Male. 
Yeah, um, I went with Sean. Um, I was also, I was, <laughs> I should say Strickland, because I was also considering O'Malley. Um, even though O'Malley, not a very busy year. Um, but in both cases, you know, what was really putting both these guys, you know, at the top of the list was uh, these were big kind of coming out parties. These were potentially, I mean, we'll see what the future holds. Like these were star making performances. Um, and, and two guys that, I mean, I think O'Malley was somewhat on the come up. Um, I think a lot of us were a little bit doubtful. You know, the Peter Yawn victory was extremely close. I think stylistically him and Sterling seemed like it was going to be a, a difficult fight for him. And I think there's still a lot of difficult fights in his division. Um, but same thing with Strickland. Like neither of these guys, I don't think, you know, and we'll talk about next podcast about like what's coming up in the next year. I don't think we're going to be seeing belts around both these guys' weights at the end of the year, or I'll be surprised if we do. Um, you don't think they're going to cupcake, man? You don't think they're going to keep people away from O'Malley, man? I mean, they might, but if he has to fight, I mean, how many cupcake fights? I mean, okay, his first fight he's fighting is Cheeto. That's hard already. That's a, <laughs> that's a winnable fight for him, but I think it's a difficult one that he's already lost before. And then if he is able to get past Cheeto, I think it's undeniable some of the top Sandhagen, competition. Like Sandhagen's coming and, Sanha- well, and Marab. <laughs> exactly. I think those two are really difficult fights for him. Um, so we'll see what the future holds. And I mean, and Strickland too is a guy that, you know, he had a good year when he's fought some of the upper competition. He hasn't looked that great. He lost to Cannoneer. He lost to Alex Pereira. So it's hard to think he's going to hold on to that belt for a long time. But he really called that fight. You know, is he needed an opponent on short notice? They were thinking about canceling. I don't remember whether names. Were he couldn't in get there. a fucking passport because he's a former neo-Nazi and it was a whole thing. Like there's a lot happening in this guy's life. <laughs> On paper, and we talked about, like, this was supposed to be a slam dunk for Izzy. This is supposed to be a dude that's going to stand in front of you and strike with you. And Izzy's one of the best strikers in the world. He was supposed to eat this guy alive. And the fact that we watched that fight, and it's like, okay, Izzy is not being super aggressive. Maybe he's waiting for that kill shot. And then he gets dropped, and he gets hurt, and you're like, oh, shit. And then it's like, can Izzy come back from this? And he could not, right? And I think even before and after the fight itself... It was kind of surprising to see, you know, I think for us, Strickland has said enough dumb shit that we remember where it's like, okay, this guy is sexist and kind of racist. And he says a lot of like controversial Real shit. homophobic. It's hard. Yeah. It, it's hard to kind of get on his side, but like he did resonate with a lot of people. He made a lot of fans before this fight, winning the fight, making even more. And now he's kind of seen as like this all American U.S. hero and it's still kind of like. He's kind of homophobic. He's kind of sexist. He's kind of racist. I don't know if we should really. Be We're moving like, the goalposts compared is... to who we have been comparing him to at this point. Is that? Oh, I, there are some people that are even worse, but it's still just like I don't know if we should really be like rooting for this guy. But one thing that I've always said, I always like how this guy fights. I mean, one, he uses the Philly shell, which no one besides King Mo and we've seen how well that worked out for him. Really utilizes that style, so I've always given him props. For kind of you know using his own kind of unique style in MMA, where it seems like a lot of people are very formulaic in how they hold their hands and how they strike, um, and the dude is just a fighter, and I, and I and I gotta respect that. Like this dude just likes to fight, whether he's training or he's calling out fights. Um, you know he loves to get in there and compete, and you know I love that about a fighter. I just wish some of the shit he said wasn't so you know inflammatory but it does and i don't know about because i don't listen to i don't i'm not on the social media stuff it seems like since he's won the belt maybe it's toned down a no. little bit like maybe he's not being as much i mean like, i don't know man don't that know. press conference wasn't great and then somehow he looked better than the other scumbags though so 
Though this is the audience, yeah, man. I I, and again, I, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. I think the UFC thinks their audience is more conservative than it is, by the way. Just putting that out. With the numbers just suggested it's yeah. only 55%. So. Okay. Okay. But yeah, Sean Strickland. Mike, you got who do you got for this one? Fighter of the year. I've got the same one. Uh Sean Strickland. It's a numbers game for me. He fought three times, and one of those wins was a very improbable upset, at least before the fight, which um I mean, do you want Sean Strickland as your champion? No. But you gotta enjoy the ride while it's here. They deserve whatever it. that means. They deserve it. Um, so looking at last year, our fighter of the year, mine was Alexander Volkanovsky. Both of you guys, Alex Pereira. Last year, fighter of the year, female, both me and Mark, me and Mike took Amanda Nunes. Mark took Zhang Wei Li. Best, uh, RKO of the year. Uh, probably pretty clear. Uh, headshot dead. Leon Edwards. Um, our submission of the year. All of us had a different one. I hit the I had the Andrade standing arm triangle on Lemos. Um, Mike had the Twister body triangle in the Stevie Ray Anthony Pettis fight. My man throwing out a PFL reference there. And then we had uh Mark hitting the uh Alex Teixeira Yuri Prohaska Yuri landing that uh, rear naked choke. Our card of the year, um, both uh, Mark and I picked that England card with Volkov and Aspinall. That was a lot of fun. Had Patty the Batty and, you know, McKen uh, what's her name, Molly running around. And Mike picked UFC 281 because, fuck me, we paid a lot of money to go to that. Like, <laughs> that might have been no logic. Um, fight of the year, I had Tashera versus Yuri. Mark had Schnell versus Sumarji. Good call there, Mark. And then Mike had Gilbert Burns versus Chemeyev. Sick fight in retrospect. Go back and watch it. Are you really sure may have definitely won it? Just saying. Um, we'll see what we get, man. Where do we change every year? Um, it's gonna be another year. This is our first time Amanda Nunes hasn't won this. Well, she's nominated again. She might have not won the year before. I think Juliana might have won for all of us, just by that happening. You know, beating Amanda. But something we're gonna do a little bit different this year. We decided we're gonna do three things we liked or loved, and we're gonna do three things we disliked or hated. And we're gonna start with the hate. And we're going to try to end positively. It's the thing we're going with this year. So, um, Mike, do you want to start with one of the slap ones? Or do you want me to start with one of the slap ones? Because we both are going to slap territory for different reasons here, buddy. <laughs> I can start with one of the slap ones. And I like the idea of starting with the bad stuff first. Yeah. So that we can, we can end happy and on a positive note. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one of the things I disliked about this year, and it's, it pays to be powerful. What does that mean? It means basically at the very start of the year, because I think this was his New Year's Eve, like New Year's party. Uh, Dana White was caught. Cancun, baby. Video. Cancun. <laughs> Whoever was filming this guy. <laughs> Dana White was uh, caught on video slapping his wife across the face. And essentially what he got was the equivalent of a slap on the wrist as punishment mike i'm gonna be i'm not, I'm not trying not to be funny here i i don't think he gave, I, I don't think he got anything i don't think i don't think he even got that i'm serious what was the slap on the wrist did he get anything at all <laughs> I, I think it was critical to a certain degree but i even that's remember dude, mike remember what he said his punishment is that it says it'd be hurting the company for me not to go to the events yeah yeah and <laughs> if i were I can't remember if this is exactly the case, but I think they said, oh, like he's not going to be here for a few weeks. 
And I think just luckily it's like, oh, they got like one event in the next month or so. So it's not even like he really missed out on very much. I've always thought of Dana, like the way he runs his business, I like as a fight promoter and I get it and a lot of stuff, but like that was a real moment where I'm like, man, you're just not a good person, man. I mean, there's been a couple of moments over these last few years with how they like the way they like treated Ariel and... I mean, look, I get it. If, if if your fighters are dumb enough to pay for to for, to get paid eight and eight, okay, they're more on sign these things. But I don't know. There's been a couple of moments here or there, but like, you know, there's been a signs here or there. But here we are. My slapping thing is that in the midst of all this slapping of the wife, we are promoting a the biggest air quotes you can imagine are happening right now. Um, sport, we just slap people where you're just taking unprotected head trauma. And I just like, I like, I remember when like, I like, I swear to God, Mark, if we explained this to us, that this was going to be a thing like five, six years ago, like 2000, not even that, like let's go like 2015. This is what Dana White's going to be pushing. The UFC is going to be pushing. And I just would just be like, I would be hard for me to wrap my head around it fully that they did that. It's not a complete shock entirely, but like, I just, I can't believe this is a thing on some level that like, and then we just got it legalized in California because the UFC is bringing an event to Anaheim. That's what I'm doing, by the way. I'm drawing the line between Anaheim getting a UFC event and slap getting legalized in California. I'm just going to draw the line right now. It's fucking embarrassing, guys. I like, I'll see it sometimes on Instagram will show up and it'll just be like some guy who's bet on how many slaps a guy can take, which I'm just like, Scott, and I don't remember when they drug tested them. And then they all tested positive. And it wasn't like just for steroids. It was like, this guy tested positive for meth. This guy tested positive for coke. This guy tested positive for fucking crack. This guy, it is so bad. Oh, God. Now I'm I, if, you're gonna be, if you're going to be just taking uh, unprotected slaps to the face by big beefy dudes, I better be on everything. I was going to say, I just go full Tony Montana, just coked out of my mind. Can't feel my face type thing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That was, no. That, that's 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 chalk on my cheek. Yeah. Exactly. Um. That's my first one. Mark, you got a real. You want to listen pile on the shitstorm? What, what's your bad stuff? Uh. Yeah. Because we didn't want to overlap too much. I. I think those two are the biggest ones. To be clear, we all agree about... on all of these. Basically. <laughs> yeah, okay. These are all. I mean, my, mine are a lot more subdued than yeah. this because obviously, the the guy that's running the biggest, you know, organization running the, the sport we follow, sport. slapping his his wife, and then. Not only did he slap her, like, he didn't get the first one good enough, so he went for seconds, you know? I was like, okay, that's just, ugh. And then nothing happened. And then, like, the whole slap like thing's so dumb. And it just reminded me, Bobby, like, it's it's actually worse than the South Park Car Carmen game of kicking each other in the nards, because uh. at least your brain's not in your dick. So it's like, that seems safer. And why don't we have that sport where it's just two dudes kicking each other in the groin? I just gave Dana a billion dollar idea. Um, that they seems less bad. They're right. That seems other. less yeah. bad. I would <laughs> watch seems, the first seems, episode. I'd watch the first Google Maybe they, And they could even wear a cup. What if they wear a cup too? We know it hurts when they get kicked in the balls with Bro, a cup I, or I not. Mean, <laughs> before you get it, I watched the first because it came on right after AEW. I think I was when because it was on TNT for like two weeks or, or mm -hmm. TBS or TBS is what AEW's on. So I was watching Dynamite at my parents' house because like a Wednesday I was at their house for some reason. I'm watching on my computer and then it rolls into slap. And I made it about four minutes. And I was just like, oh, God. Well, I'm dumber already from this. It was so bad. So yeah. bad. <laughs> so, I, you know, I mean, let's, let's see what the future and holds. And I watch I wrestling. 
Okay? Two dudes <laughs> kicking. <laughs> I could see two dudes kicking each other in the nards for sure. Uh, but my first one is going to be um, just watching the live broadcast. I find it to be so draining. Like, it physically drains me to watch these events live. And look, well, I'll peek around the curtain. I'm watching a different telecast than maybe some of the other people are sometimes. And it's still so fucking repetitive. Like, when I'm watching ESPN, because I'm watching it with Christine, and she's doing whatever, and I'm like, every commercial, it's soccer or basketball. It's men's playing basketball, it's women playing basketball, or it's soccer, or it's the tournament. for. And it's just like, it's the same maybe six commercials for five hours. Oh, this fucking app. You're watching on the app, right? Even on the app. The app is so bad, man. It's um, the same commercials. Oh, the app's horrible. The, I mean, it's just like anywhere I watch, it's just like the same advertising. The events just go on forever. And, you know, I want to watch them live because I don't want to get stuff spoiled. I want to be in the moment, you know, when there's a really big card. I get excited. I want to see it. I don't want to potentially get spoiled. But, like, it's a drag, dude. Like, it's just like, it's a, they just seem so long. They're so poorly paced. And especially on, like, a pay-per-view, like, let's just get it going. Like, let's just kind of cycle through this stuff. But when you it's got, ESPN or whatever. <laughs> That's it. They already got your yeah. money. And it's like, and even when it's ESPN, it's just like, here's a commercial break or Sometimes on ESPN, it's like, oh, we're having commercial break, but we don't have commercials to show you. So it's just like a screen where it says ESPN will be back soon. And then when it is an actual commercial, it's literally like, hey, it's the NBA tournament. Which like, look, at, look, yeah, you got to promote your other sports. But it's like you have five commercials and you're just rotating them around. It's like, I am going insane. And I just get like physically tired of watching that shit. So, yeah. And there's some other stuff with the broadcast I'll bring up later, too. It's just all dreams. Since we're complaining about that, the, the, the thing... I just, I like, it's the thing where they make you, they try to promote a pay-per-view in the middle of a fight night card that is being, it's a fucking warehouse in Vegas. I'm watching the prelims for of some dude who was in the LFA 45 out, 45, like 48 hours ago against some dude they found in fucking Brazil. They got to take this fight on 4K and 4K. Mike, what are the odds I'm not watching the pay-per-view if I'm watching this? If I'm watching this fucking warehouse fight, do you think I'm not watching? Do you have to convince me to watch fucking like Robbie or whatever Dustin Poirier fight Justin Gaethje? You have to convince me because I'm watching fucking you know you, this like Samarji versus fucking this uh, you know pick a fucking Silva. <laughs> I'm gonna assume it's also. I think a lot of times when you're getting promotions like commercials like that, it's because they couldn't fill out the advertising with outside people it's just like oh we're gonna watch a fucking here's the fucking breakdown of kamara usman versus leon edwards i'm like what that's that one's on pay-per-view I'm, I'm watching this i'm definitely gonna watch that again who is this well i'm not i don't even know who these people are and i'm watching it's not like this is on tv either i had to go to espn plus and specifically choose to watch the prelims of a fight card that's happening in a fucking warehouse in vegas okay you do not have to convince me to to watch the good fighters. You really don't. Okay, it doesn't need to be done. Um, Mike, what's your next fucking? This is great. This is a bitch fest. This is therapy. Mike, what else sucks well, about this fucking we're, sport? We're, we're, <laughs> we're getting the bitching out of the way first. So the next one for me is the continued shittiness of fighters. It was mentioned slightly and uh, quickly earlier. Um, I think in the podcast. But in particular, um, it was something that happened just a few weeks ago um, is a highlight of it. Uh, but this is just general. But uh, 
the one in particular that made me think of this is uh, Colby Covington in his uh, pre-fight uh, press conference um, making those comments about Leon Edwards' uh, father. And then also Dana White's, in my opinion, tepid response in return when he was asked about it. Um, just, oh, well, what are you, what are you going to do? Um, well, you're the fucking president of the UFC. You could do something about it. Um, oh, he said he didn't like it after the fact. Remember when he's like, well, but the pay-per-view buys are up 25% since that moment. First of all, I don't believe you. Don't believe you. Who the fuck pays for a pay-per-view three days before it's happening, Mike? How many people, of what percentage of the population to buy the pay-per-view is that? 10? Like <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever bought a pay-per-view for anything in my life if it, not the day of. Yeah. Never. You do it three hours before in case something goes wrong, you need a backup plan. That's it. Um, Mine's a piggyback of what you're saying. Uh, mine is everybody is shitty. Um, And it's not, you see one of a specific event. I just like, everyone, like it's Ariel Helwani called this the, he compared it to this thing called the Vince Carter effect where like, because of Vince Carter and the Olympics, all these kids started playing basketball a certain way, right? And this is a negative version of that. He says, this is the fucking Conor McGregor effect. And the problem is, these people are not as clever or funny as or smart as Conor McGregor was when he was doing this shit. And Conor went off the rails at a certain point, too. But, like, you see this motherfucker up there trying to say you're in the seventh, he sent your dad to the seventh layer of hair. Like, these people are not good at this. I'm, I'm watching Drickus, like, go after a dude saying he's gonna be like fucking like he's gonna experience like he did as a child when he was abused by his father where i'm just like and that's where the differentiation for me on drickus and sean strickland is where i feel sean strickland's a product of his environment on some level because you know people like white trash parts of california where like they you know not saying it justifies what way he is but i understand it i guess mark is my what i'm saying i understand how he got this person drickus just seems like an asshole just a Dricos is a racist. So one time I, you've, I got three strikes with this dude. Just putting this out there. The Izzy stuff. He, he beats Robert Whitaker and he wins and, wins and goes and shakes uh, known racist ex-president Donald Trump's hands. Eat shit if you feel otherwise. Okay. I don't know how you still be listening to this podcast if you like the Donald Trump. And then third was this fucking Sean Strickland stuff. Everybody's an asshole. Every press conference is. And then they get. And then like this sports fucking embarrassing me is really what it is. All right, I saw this clip from the Ultimate Fighter from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where a couple fighters got in a fight in the house and Dana threw him out of the house and kicked him off the show and said, this is what people think we are. You're embarrassing the sport. You're embarrassing the company. We're real, we can't say we're real athletes when you go out and do this shit. And then I'm watching Sean Strickland and Drick is getting a fight in the crowd, okay? And look, yep. it was all funny and all when he told his the kid's parents, the kid to move. I enjoyed that, okay? I even enjoyed... Uh, Burns' his wife saying, like, I don't really like Sean Strickland, but it was nice that he asked us to move and he checked in on us afterwards. Whatever. That's that happening. Everybody's an asshole at these fucking press conferences. I gotta watch the fucking the like the weirdest Republican convention in every one of these fucking cards where the the fucking 93 times felon president comes out with Kid Rock wearing a sunglasses indoors. And don't let any of these fucking people tell you Kid Rock is some sort of country boy, okay? Kid Rock's a rich kid from Detroit whose dad owns a bunch of car dealerships. I know a lot of people like that, okay? Fuck this dude. All right. What what are we doing? Why am I why do I have to be embarrassed by this fucking like I'm I would used to argue with people, and this is just, I'm in a rant now, guys. I'm sorry. But like 
I used to literally just say, this is my favorite sport. This is the most pure form of sport. These people are athletes. Fundamentally, every sport's about your body stopping the other person's body from doing something else. And this is the most pure form of that. And you can't tell me these people are thugs or this is fucking human cockfighting. Because no, these are different martial arts. And they have found the, like, this is the most efficient way of fighting. This is the best way of fighting. And every year, we see giant evolutions of this game. And I love that. This is embarrassing to me that I watch this at times. It's fucking embarrassing. So yeah, that was my second thing, Mark. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, again, agree with you guys. I think you guys are. I'm. You guys I'm are because we now. did the. <laughs> we did. We did a little pre-show what we were talking about. So you guys hit all the big notes. So all my stuff is like so inconsequential. <laughs> this is like Mark nitpicky stuff. So my my the, the second thing I didn't like was the bad commentary. Dude, I love. Dude, which, I again. Dude, it's it's bad. You're great. <laughs> You're right. It, it, it's just funny because, like, we're talking about, like, yeah, like, because I agree with you, Bobby. Like, I have a UFC. I put a UFC sticker on my car. And back when the Trump stuff started happening, I was like, should I take that off my car? Because it is, like, embarrassing. Not like, not like that anyone's ever, like, seen it and been like, hey, Trump dude or whatever because of that. But it's just, like, I feel embarrassed, like, m supporting it, advertising for this thing when it's like, oh, their political views do not align with mine. Um, and neither does the bad commentary because <laughs> – one of the things that, I mean, literally when I was getting reintroduced into this sport, what made me such a big fan of it when I was watching the Pride stuff was, and I, I always talk about Steven Quadros, Boss Rutten, Maury Smith, the Grand, uh, the Grand Prix Open, was the exact opposite of what we're seeing in the sport now. Where it's like, it was treated extremely professionally. It was treated super seriously. And like, these guys were so knowledgeable, not only about like what's going on in like the sport. They knew all the fighters on like a personal level. They would crack kind of inside jokes. It kind of made you feel like you were part of this club that like, especially back then, like was not very popular. Cause I'm watching like, who's this Sakuraba guy? Why is he fighting Hoist Gracie? Why do I, why would I care about this guy? And they're telling me why they care about it and how cool he is and how he does this unique stuff. And then he's doing this crazy stuff in the fight. And while watching pride, you know, I learned so much because they were breaking down techniques, what they needed to do. It made me, a better spectator for the sport and it also just made the events fun like there'd be a boring fight but with quadros and boss in the booth like they're cracking jokes and they're making something boring be really entertaining now we have commentary where i'm actively watching it i don't think they're calling the fight correctly they're not getting the judging right they're telling their own narrative and i feel bad for potential new people to the sport that don't really understand what's going on and they need these commentators to explain to them in a cohesive way what's happening why it's happening why aren't certain other things happening maybe it's a little bit boring in, in a stalemate but why is that because i remember watching the at the sport first on i would be watching it in a dorm room or watching it at home and so i'm like oh why are these two guys just hugging each other why don't you just start punching them it's like well he can't start punching him. He's got an over-under on him. He can't just pull out his arms and do this crazy crappy shit that you think how it works because you don't understand the nuances of grappling and how he's actually tying him up, how he's biding his time to find that rap. You know, there's so much going on in the sport that we know about because we've watched it long enough. We've kind of learned the ins and outs of what's going on in the cage at any given time. And I think the commentators are a very vital part of that to explain it to people that don't understand because a lot of times it could just seem like, why is he not just kicking him in the groin or why is he not kneeing him in the head right now? And there's all kinds of different reasons why. And once you start learning those facets, it makes the sport a lot more entertaining and you start seeing it for what Bobby said it is, right? Like you start seeing it as like, Oh, this is an actual competition. It's not human cockfighting. There's a lot more going on here, especially in the grappling 
that you might not be able to observe without the knowledge of how these things work or without actually rolling yourself. And, um, you know, to have the biggest organization have commentators that just aren't doing a good job, I just find inexcusable, right? And they do have teams that do a really good job, and they have certain teams that aren't doing a good job. Shout out to the guys calling the warehouse fights. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just frustrating that, like, the UFC hasn't gotten to the point where it's like, okay, let's cut the... I love DC. I've always been a big fan of him. I think he's a great personality. But when you get him and Joe together, they just don't do a good job together. And I get it. Like, those are two big personalities. Joe's a superstar. His podcast is, you know, getting all kinds of millions of views. He's made a bunch of money off of it. I'm super happy for him because we've been watching the guy do commentary. I'm glad he's successful. Um, But I want the product to be better. And you've gotten to a point where you are the upper echelon of this sport. And I expect a certain bar. And when I'm watching a fight and it's like, they're not calling the fight right. That guy's not winning. He's not doing, you know, what they're, the things they're describing and what I'm seeing are complete opposites. And that's unacceptable at this point for me. Whatever episode of the podcast it was this year where Mark had this moment where he realized how bad the commentary was is among my favorite moments this podcast has ever had. Because I've been saying it for a long time. And Mark finally, I think, turned the volume up or unmuted a card. You lost your fucking mind, and you were just like, "What? What? Are, what? What's happening? It's so bad." Mike, yeah, a lot of times uh, I don't listen to the commentary. Yeah. Your last one, and my last one's a little bit more muted, and we're already at an hour, so let's pick it up. Sorry, uh, some of it's my fault. A lot only, of it's my I, fault. I only really had two this week. I mean, uh, this year. All right, I'm just gonna go one more. Um, and <laughs> this is gonna be on both the good and bad of it. Bad end of it for me. The, the bad end of it is seeing how much of an asshole all these people are in the fucking emails with the fight about the fighter pay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Not great. I look forward to finding out which of these managers were selling out their own clients. Uh, <coughs> Ali Abdulaziz. Um, so I look forward to that part of this thing, too. We're going to hear about the lawsuit more when we talk about the things we like, which, man, I'm going to talk about how much I like a lawsuit. But I did. Um, this was a bad. Mark, you said the product was worse this year. The product was worse. Mm-hmm. The fights were good. There were some good fights. There was a lot of not good fights. You know, they did a yeah, bad I'm- job promoting. They do a bad job with videos. They do a bad job with and with their thing. My last one is just going to be, and I think we talked about it last year and the year before. Um, it's just the, this oversaturation. Like, if you would have asked me a decade ago, like, do you want to have fights every week? I'd be like, yes, because back in the day, like, we, I was starved. It, it'd be one card a month. Dude, we watched the Ultimate Fighter why, just to watch the one free one live fight a week. That's why you watch. You'd it. watch the Ultimate Fighter just to watch your one fight. You'd have to pull up. Put up with 45 to 50 minutes of like reality TV bullshit to get one fight, and we were happy to see that one fight. Um, or then it was like you know you get one pay per view a month, if even that. And I'm rewatching old Pride DVDs over and over again just to get my fix, or watching random King of the Cage cards I find for a 10 pack event at you know uh, Suncoast or whatever. But now it's just like there's so many fights, I care about so little of them. And then when we do have these rare weeks where it's like, oh, we don't have a card this week or we don't have a card for sometimes like two weeks and we get back to it's like, oh, it's been two weeks since I watched a card and I get excited to watch fights again. Like I miss that feeling of getting excited. There's just there's so many fights happening so often that I don't care about. And it's like, well, I'll watch. And I, and literally, like, I feel bad. I mean, look, there's a reason why Stefan's on the podcast anymore, right? Like he just he felt like out of love with the sport. And I tell Christine when I have to watch like these bad cards, like I got to do my homework for the podcast, yeah. right? Because it, it feels like homework. So I'm like, I don't really want to watch these fights, but I want to 
you know, have some kind of insightfulness to talk about on the podcast. Mark, if I wasn't betting so like, on these, it would be if I wasn't betting five, ten bucks on some of these fucking bullshit fights, just like and thank God I don't have some sort of addictive personality with this stuff, but I'm just literally just like, all right, let's bet five bucks on these fucking four fights just to like who is this guy? What is how does he win by? He wins by knockout? Fuck it. Let's go with this guy. Cause that's where I'm at, man. Like it's and it it just kind of sucks because like here we have three people that are like super into the sport. We make no money on this, guys. Run, we do this for fun. Yeah. Fun was the word. But because <laughs> and how it's being ran, we just like I think we're less kind of I, I know for myself, like I'm less in love with mixed martial arts than I have been in a long time, just because like it doesn't feel special. It doesn't I mean, we still get those moments, right? And that's why we still do it, right? We still have these best cards, these were good cards. We got excited for, right? But it it does lack. It's just lacking. This was definitely was a year when before we did this and Bobby built all this stuff, I was kind of thinking like, what was my favorite fight yeah. of the year? And what was the best card? Like, I, there's good ones, but like nothing popped to the front of my mind, right? So there's been oversaturation and it doesn't look like it's going to stop. It's how they're making money. Um, but to negate some of that, watching some other organizations does kind of help. You know, watching the highlights of one, I think one's been a, a breath of fresh air for me. Um, K1's kind of coming back. Some do, of that. Do you stuff know what my brother told of, me yesterday? PFL my brother told me we we're hanging out on Christmas. My brother says, I can't wait for the PFL to fucking spend some money and like get something happening in this sport. And he's barely cared until this last year where he's already like, we got to get some stuff happening with these fucking people. These are some garbage cards they're putting on. That's him. He's, you know, that's my brother though. He's, you know, all, right. you know, anyway, uh, stuff we like. We're going to pick it up. Things we actually liked in this sport. Um, I already said it. So I'm going to say it quick. The Volkanovsky and, um, Makachev fight for me, the first one. As much as the second one left me with left kind of a bad taste in my mouth for other reasons, but the first one was such a gem, a diamond in the rough, and such a like, especially like this was early in the year where we're coming off of this motherfucker slapping his wife and the slap league stuff. And I'm like, at least I got this. And it lived up. We get excited sometimes for fights, guys, and it doesn't live up. And I got real specific memories of Mike and I watching fucking Anderson Silva versus Damian Maya. And fucking up. Well, not that my expectations were even that high, but I was just angry. You know, I remember Mark and I and Stefan watching Rob, uh, Nick Diaz versus Carlos Condit. Thinking, how could this possibly be a bad fight? And then it was. You know, how could it possibly? And then, like, you know, when a fight lives up, it's wonderful. And that was the best of mixed martial arts, man. That fight. It had everything you could ask for. The skill-wise, drama, comeback, everything. Crowd was into every moment of it. Sure, it probably made some of Volkanovsky's attacks look more impactful than they really were you know because they were behind their guy you get everything you want for a fight was in that fight so that was something i liked mike what is something you liked yeah another one that i was mentioned uh before in uh, our awards award section was uh, alexa grasso beating uh valentina shevchenko um i always love seeing new champions and also champions that are you want to say deserving of it, um, if that's the correct word I think I, I, I want to use here. Uh, I don't think many people are giving Grasso a chance in this fight, but she was deserving of the title shot. Um, she had, I think, what a three or four fight winning streak, and she, she ripped that title from Shevchenko in that first fight. Um, Absolutely. 
Grasso was a favorite of uh, the aforementioned uh, Stefan, I think, more than anyone else here on this podcast. But, you know, I've always liked uh, Grasso. Um, You know, she doesn't speak English that well, but... um, Now she does. She's really picked it up now, quite frankly. (laughs) But for the longest time, not not so much. Um, So... I normally enjoy hearing people uh, speak in their native tongue rather than um, try to speak in a language they're not too great at, mainly because then you can start to see some of their personality, um, you know, and they're actually speaking in a language that they're comfortable in. And, you know, she always came across as, uh, you know, very, very professional um, and seemed like just a good person. So for me, that was one of my... uh, stories or moments from the year that uh you know warmed my cold heart marcus what warmed your cold heart after we just you know we all got all ramped me specifically got all amped up about anger and all the bad shit yeah, i mean it's it's related to one of the things that i said i didn't like because when it when it was good it was actually really good and i really liked having lauren shanko in the booth i think she really you know was that breath of fresh air that they need. And it, it should really be the standard of, of what I'm looking at. And it, I mean, one, I think more diversity in the booth is always good. Just having different types of people in there, whether they're female, different ethnicities. I always think that helps us bring a new perspective. Um, but she really came in and brought a lot of professionalism that we just weren't always getting. Like, look, there, there are some fighters that came in that I think are extremely knowledgeable and did a pretty good job in the booth. She kind of just encompasses it all for me. And, it, and it's not to say she's perfect. She's had some flubs on the mic, which I think everyone does every now and then. Um, she's still you know, getting used to this new avenue for her. But when it comes to breaking down the fights and giving you perspective, like this is the stuff I'm looking for in the commentary, right? She's, she gives you that personal perspective because she was a fighter. She knows what it's like to cut weight. She knows what it's like to be in there. Um, but she also has this professionalism where I haven't really seen any bias and she's able to analyze and dissect the what's going on in the octagon extremely well. Like there's so many times I'm watching a fight and I'm saying in my head like, okay, oh, this is what's going on. This guy's doing this really well. And Lauren's on it almost at the exact same time I am or a beat before or after. I said like she's on point. And the only thing I have wrong with her on Booth is like I don't think she gets in the commentary as much as I'd want her to. I want her like on the hot mic a little bit more. She's better than Obviously, everybody else they got straight up. She's the no. best one they got. And, but I think she she works well, too. She has good chemistry with the other people in the booth. Um, so I want to see more of her and some of those other kind of combinations. I think they have something winning there, and I think they kind of know it, too. And what I was really – like, it's one thing, you know, my thoughts, thoughts and feelings are my own. But it was kind of nice when I did go on some articles about her. Like, everyone else is kind of on the same page that I was seeing. There wasn't a lot of sexism in there because – I kind of expect a lot of people to be like, you know, get this broad out of the booth or whatever they would say. But a lot of the comments I saw was like, yeah, Lauren's fucking bomb, dude. Like, we need her on more commentary. And it almost makes me wish I was watching more of the Contender series. I mean, I already talked about the oversaturation, so it's hard to want to watch, you know, Dana White's ego dude, how, trip. How, whatever. Cool, how cool would the Contender series have been if that was instead of the Ultimate Fighter when we were like watching early on? How happy would we have been? That would have been awesome. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better. <sighs> um, but yeah, I think she's a really bright star, especially this year for me. I'm so happy they're giving her more opportunities, and I hope it continues. You know what's interesting with this sport? Of In terms of treating men and, equally, uh, men and women equally, this sport is probably ahead of every other sport in that. It's interesting. Sure. Yeah, you watch the, those the rules are the same. Same it's, time limits. Yeah. We got still got people fighting with two minute rounds in women's fight, women's boxing. 
The boxing thing's bullshit. Dude, yeah. I, they made it women, women main event UFC cards over men all the time. Nobody fucking bats an eye at all yep. anymore. It's wild. Yeah, um, it's one of the few things they do well. Um, I liked. Um, I enjoyed Leon Edwards winning a lot. Um, I enjoyed it more as the crowd got more unhappy. The single greatest moment of joy for me in that card was when Colby took him down in the third round. And I, without question, was like, oh, Leon's getting up right now. Leon got up, kicked him in the head, and the crowd uh, was cheer cheered loudly when Colby got him down. Then Leon got up and kicked him in the head, and then a minute later took Colby down. And the sound of groaning from the pieces of shit in that crowd. I've come to hate the crowd. Let me just be honest with you. I hate the audience of this sport at this point. Okay? 55% of it, it sounds like, at least. But thing I liked, I enjoyed, Col I wanted Leon to, I, wa I was happy how long it took. I didn't want him to knock it out. Keep it going. Let these people watch Leon pick this man apart. And if that last round didn't go so well, whatever. He didn't seem to give a fuck. I really enjoyed that. I'm liking when the people who seem like reasonable, decent human beings win fights. Mike mentioned it with Alexa Grasso winning. She seems like a re... I mean, not that I have anything against with Valentina. Valentina, big fan of Valentina's, okay? But Grasso seems like a good person. Pantoja. You know, Moreno seems like a good person too. Him winning was cool. These people, and the ones who seem like decent people that I don't fucking like think these people are just assholes, you know? Volk seems like a pretty good dude. I was sad when he was talking about losing or retiring and stuff. Holloway always seemed like a good dude, you know? I don't know, like, Leon seems like a good dude. John Jones, not so much. And I remember a fucking people went after Tom Aspinall for being so happy crying when he won the interim title. And that piece of shit Cejudo was like, why was he crying? Is this interim title? Why is everybody... Uh, never mind. Things I liked. I like when the nice people do that, you know, are winning. That makes me happy. They seem like nice people. I don't need to know who they voted for. They shut their fucking mouths about that. They present themselves as fucking professional athletes. That's it. You present yourself as a professional athlete. Because I swear to God, if anybody acted like this in any other sport, it'd be, oh my God. Mike, imagine if we had one press conference in the NFL that, like, anybody said anything near, like, the shit that happens in a UFC pay press conference. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, just saying. It'd be an issue. Um, that's, uh, I, I, I appreciated how you're about to veer off into another rant. And yeah. you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. What did you, what Let else did you like this year, buddy? <laughs> you had more. Uh, for me, I enjoyed that very soon our beloved fighters will be able to look like TRT Vitor yet again. <laughs> Why is that? Because in just a few days, the UFC will no longer be under the 1984-esque uh, totalitarian regime that is USADA. Mike, do you think they're announcing the UFC 300 main event with Conor McGregor on January 1st? Or do you think they're going to wait till the till, till, till people are back at work on January 2nd? What do you think? Yo, <laughs> that press release is pressed and ready to go. Jan first, twelve oh one. There's just gonna be a fucking like Connor's gonna dip his nuts in ink and put it on the press release. Like enjoy it, Usada. That's what it's gonna be on that one. Um, Mark, anything else you like? Uh, yeah, I I think it was this year. I'm not positive because maybe it started last year. I, I put the new judging system. It's been a couple years now. Has it been a couple of years? I mean, that's if people applied it properly. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the problem with the commentary is they don't still understand that. But I do generally like that new judging criteria. I think damage trumping all is just the way to do it. That's how Pride used to do it. Ebon was the first criteria. 
trying to finish the fight should be the most important thing, right? Getting a guy down is a good avenue to controlling the fight and potentially, you know, finishing the fight, but it's not enough, I think, just to win the round, right? Just to take a dude down. And that, that, that seemed to be, you know, many years past how so many strategies were, right? It was like, if you can get that takedown, you really solidify that round for you. So I like the, the judging of having damage be the most important thing and then seeing more 10 eights thrown in there as well. So it might've been a couple of years, but that, that was definitely something that I'm continued to be happy with that direction of the sport, even though, you know, judging still a problem for many different reasons, but I do like that kind of rule. Uh, last one uh, with this lawsuit. I liked that. I cannot be lied to anymore. We know how much money everybody made. Don't lie to me and tell me how much money you're paying people. I saw it. Shout out to Brock Lesnar getting a flat $8 million to fight Mark Hunt at UFC 200. I'm proud of Brock remains my favorite businessman in whatever we call the world that includes MMA and wrestling. I Brock is the king of this shit. Brock will milk anybody's people for every dollar he can. I'm proud of Brock. Good job, Brock. Um, the fact that Chael Sonnen made $1 million to fight Anderson Silva that second time is mind-boggling to me how little that is. Just saying. Yeah, but you can't lie to me. And I like that we are open book. And I'm going to hopefully like the result of this lawsuit. Uh, well, that might be a conversation for next week when we do our predictions for 2024. Because, Mike, are they re- Mike? Are they really going to let this thing go to trial in April? Are they really going to let I really the- hope so. Are they re- are we- this, the injunctive relief is on the table. This judge might just go say, fuck, man, UFC contracts are two years long, max. Period. It'd be awesome. It'd be so sick. Not like we're people are, oh, all the good fighters need to be under one place. Not like we're getting all the fucking fights we want either. We've got six years to make Johns versus Ngannou, and I, Jones and Ngannou, we didn't get to see it. I kiss my ass. Um, but yeah, I like that I can't be lied to. I enjoy all the documents getting released. Uh, shout out to Nate Diaz. Uh, getting like fucking like, what do you get? Like like $6 million or something like that? Or no, like eight, seven, eight million dollars between those two Connor fights? Should have been 10 times that amount, but good for him. Uh, Mike, you got anything else you like? Uh, I do, but it's me and you basically, I think, uh, share this particular one. So I cannot start it off. And then if you want to continue on I'm done. with it, we can do that. That was my last one. Um, oh, uh, that was three for me. Francis? Oh, I missed Francis. Take Francis. Yeah. I was going to say Francis. I forgot. Go ahead. You take Francis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for me, it's, uh, Francis Ngannou one securing the back. No wait. You know what? Let's go all the way back. One. Francis being ridiculed for fumbling the bag. Mm-hmm. Two, Francis securing the bag. Three, Francis making the UFC look foolish by securing said bag. Four, Francis almost beating Tyson Fury. Um, this is a man who took a lot of shit, um, mainly from a lot of, uh, I think, uh, stools for, for, the, for the UFC. And also from people that were just wondering what Francis was doing. But this is a man who never wavered. Um, He knew what his worth was. And he knew what, I guess, him and his team um, could do. And Francis had a great year. Um, Good things come to to those who wait. Um, Before the podcast, uh, Bobby put it, I think, what was it? It would have been great to see uh, just how red Dana White's, uh, you know, bald head got. Um, while watching Francis uh, do pretty well against Tyson Fury. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Francis's year goes in 2024. Um, 
will he box Tyson again? I hope he does, because that's going to be where he's going to get, I think, his most money. And will he finally have his first PFL fight? Um, for me, even though he didn't fight one MMA fight this whole year, I mean, if you had wanted to say that Francis Ngannou was the fighter of the year, I would have taken it. I would have been fine with it. I would have taken it. I'm fine with it. Whatever. It's our award show. <laughs> Francis could have won all the awards. Event of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, female fighter of the year, male fighter of the year, all Francis. Fine. He we did it. He did it all that day, that morning. Let me tell you, my fight card, my my uh my uh pay per view. I definitely oh, fuck. I streamed it. My stream had no audio commentary at all for the Francis and Tyson fight. So I've just left my own devices. I'm like, I think he's winning. No, I definitely think he's winning. I'm just in my head. I'm like, I think he's winning. And I'm checking online. A lot of people think he's winning. Interesting. Mark, finally, anything you want to leave us with some happiness before we do stuff we like here? Yeah, you know, um, I think one thing that has always made mixed martial arts a really fun sport to watch is that it, it is unpredictable. Uh, very often there's dominant champions, there's one-sided fights, but, um, you know, like Bobby said earlier in the in the podcast, you know, it's a game of inches. You know, the smallest, one little small mistake can change, you know, who's the victor and who's the loser. And this year we saw a lot of kind of crazy upsets. You know, we talked about Strickland um, and we talked about O'Malley and uh, Alexa Grasso. Like those were all fighters that had dominant champions um, that going into those fights, I didn't think those other combatants had a shot and, and they pulled it out. And that's something that's always been that makes it compelling to watch this sport. You know, even when there is a, you know, minus thousand dollar underdog, you know, that that combatant's probably going to win most times, but this is a sport where that other person literally has a good shot. This is a fist fight in the cage. One small mistake really can, you know, be the whole game, you know? And when you look at other sports, you know, there's so much time, there's, there's so much forgiveness for an error that you have a lot of, you know, a basketball games for, quarters you know a football game's four quarters you know if you if you fumble the ball once you're gonna have a lot of opportunities to try to make up that one play and this sport it's just you make that one bad call you're losing that fight and it could be months until you get another opportunity to you know get in that octagon and in this sport it's extremely unforgiving the the uh, you know the fan base only cares about what you did recently so that one fumble it's you know, it's going to haunt you for a while and people are going to remember it and it's going to be how they analyze you and you always have that weak chin or you made that one mistake that one time or, you know, you have a bad mental IQ when you're in the fight. Um, you know, that stuff sticks with you. So to see these combatants take those opportunities and really just make the most of it and, you know, a, a, in a lot of cases become stars off of those, you know, minute little details um, is what continues to make the sport fascinating. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed a lot of the upsets this year. Right on. There was a lot of them, too. Um, yeah. We're going to do uh, – so next week, this is it for our award show and, you know, my therapy session partly. But uh, we're going to do next year our predictions for 2024. Um, it's going to be predicting fights, predicting events, predicting anything you want. Um, if they don't announce it by the podcast next week, there's a decent chance I'm predicting that Michael Chandler is not Conor McGregor's next opponent. Because I still think it's not going to be him and he's going to get fucked because that's just the world we're living in. Um, anyway, uh, that's going to be next week. For now, we're going to do stuff we like. I don't imagine we got a ton. We're about an hour and a half in into this podcast anyway. I'll lead it off. Mine is I went and busted out. Um, I was able to download on the PS5 an old PS2 game that I don't think I played on the PlayStation, to be honest. I believe I played on the regular Xbox. I'm almost positive. 
actually, was the original Max Payne game, which I just learned before the podcast that some people did not enjoy as much as I did because Mike said he's not the biggest fan. Um, I was a big fan of it when I was when I was a kid. I came out in two thousand and one, uh, July I believe two thousand one. So I was fifteen, and I remember when the bullet time thing came out. That was real cool, real cool. Uh, Mark is circling his microphone with a straw, and it's very confused. It's just I'm watching him get mesmerized by that. <laughs> this man is done too. Um, Max Payne, though, I really dug Max Payne when it came out. Mark knows this. We're, I've been friends with Mark for a very long time. Uh, so he knows how much I like Max Payne, and I was playing it again. Still fun. Um, it's kind of funny, though. We're like, I'm not hitting. I'm not anywhere near hitting these dudes. I'm just, like, shooting in their direction, and it, like, he goes flying back. I'm like, that's right, Max. We'll hit that dude right there. Um, I forgot I could just shoot rats on the New York City subway, though. That was like, oof. I could just do that. Um and, you know, when you needed health, you just pop painkillers, which was what every good cop does, apparently. It's a really fun game, man. I don't know. It's going to be hard to sell this to anybody who's not not my age. You're going to go watch this old, you know, game that looks kind of graphically poor when there's so many other cool games out there. But, you know, a lot of fun. Still creepy with all the wife yelling and the cry baby crying mark. Still real creepy. Still real, real creepy. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love Max Payne. And uh, play the second one and play the third one, which is Max Payne only in the sense that his name is on it. And rest in peace to the gentleman who played Max Payne, um, who passed away uh, a week or two ago, I think, they said. Yeah, the guy last played week Max- or a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the guy who voiced Max Payne, uh, James McCaffrey, uh, also an actor, 65 years old. Um, now know him also from Alan Wake. He was in the Alan Wake um, game as well, voicing uh, Tom Zane and Alex Casey, if that means anything to you, Mark. Don't know. Um Alex Casey also voiced him in the 2023 game. Man did a lot, did some video game work. Alone in the Dark, Area 51, all the Max Payne games. Um, yeah, fun game though, Max Payne. So we'll see if they get a Max Payne 4. Probably not. Uh, Mark, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short. Uh, watch a couple holiday movies. Uh, one I really enjoyed was called um, Love Hard, which is a Netflix movie. Um it was an interesting one. It was a rom-com. What really kind of sold it for me is um, the main kind of love interest guy is, I think his name is Jimmy Yan. He was the guy that was in Silicon Valley, the Asian guy. He's a Jimmy, o, Jimmy O. Yang. Jimmy O. Yang. That was him. He's funny. I was stand-up really, is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him do stand-up. I've seen him in bit pieces here and there. Like For him to be a leading man in the rom-com is kind of a tough it, it, it's a tough role for anybody because that is really the guy that like you have to be rooting for, right? And usually, it, and look, nothing against Jimmy. Like most of us aren't the quality of leading man attractiveness to be in a movie like that. Um, and Jimmy's not really either. He's kind of unconventional for that role, but he has to make up for it for his personality. And he does such a good job in this movie. I, I thought this was, you know, of all the Christmas movies that we've me and Christine watched this year. This was her favorite one. I think this is one of my favorite ones. It was a really fun, good time, you know. Uh, and I, again, this one was kind of aimed more for your late twenty, early thirties. Something the humor is kind of there. It wasn't so, ba- you know, it's not a Hallmark movie where it's so bad. It's kind of good, kind of thing. It was just a fun Christmas movie. So if you're still in the spirit, and you want to see a rom com around the holidays, um, Love Hard, and that's because it helped me remember the title. It's a combination of his favorite movie was Love Actually, her favorite Christmas movie was Die Hard. They kind of put them together. The title which I thought was fun. Um, I also watched another one called Round and Round. This was a Hallmark movie. 
Um, and it's a holiday movie, but it's not Christmas. It's a Hanukkah movie that's also a time loop movie. And I was telling Christine, like, didn't we just watch another time loop holiday movie? That was 12 Dates of Christmas. Um, Christine found out about Round and Round because this one actress that's in a lot of dropout uh, content, uh, Vic Michaels, I think is her name, is the lead actress in it. We've seen her do a lot of stuff in Dropout. I really liked her. So that in and of itself was enough. And I will say, like, I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, again, I haven't seen a lot of Hanukkah-related holiday movies. I will say, for me personally, like, I've seen a lot of Christmas movies. They do talk about Christianity. Like, this movie is very Jewish. Like, they're talking about Judaism, like, almost the whole time. And I do get it. It's a Hanukkah movie. You're going to talk about this stuff, but it's just like they kind of beat you over the head with it a little bit to the point where it's like for me, it was just like, OK, I don't know if I needed this much like constant talking about like Judaism and all that stuff. But it overall, the time loop stuff was fun. I thought Vic Michaels, I hope I'm getting her name right. I think she did a fantastic job. Um, and again, I think just the premise of your Groundhog's Day, your time loop movies are inherently kind of fun and interesting. Um and they have problems. They always do. I think like you really have to have like the editors on track to make sure everything kind of lines up and makes chronological sense. And this movie does fumble that a little bit here and there. Like she's going from New York to Jersey. And sometimes I don't know where she's at at what time and how is she doing all these things in one day can be a little bit much, but overall a very fun film. Um, outside of that, I have been playing uh, Warhammer 40k Dark Tide. That's been really fun. And then me and Christine started playing Mario Wonder um, on Christmas Day. We actually got pre- we got further in her game than we had in mine. And that has been a really fun two-player experience. And I would also say, too, like, um, Christine, admittedly, not, you know, very super diverse in platformers, was a little worried. Playing two-player in Mario Wonder is really easy because anytime she dies or anytime I die, as long as the other character is still alive, you can basically revive your character. So, you know, it, it kind of has a nice little lear- learning hoop there that, like, even if one person is maybe having a difficult time, as long as the other person's still up and going, you can kind of keep the, the the level going there. So I thought that was really cool. So that's stuff I like this week. Mike. Yeah, so considering that today when we are recording this, it is December 26th. You can imagine that I've also been watching a lot of Christmas movies over the last week. And on Christmas Day, so that was uh, yesterday, um, I watched a movie that apparently is a year old, and I had no idea that it even existed. Um, And it is a direct sequel to A Christmas Story. Um, It's called A Christmas Story Christmas. And it pretty much has the whole cast uh, minus the, uh, the dad uh, back in the movie. And to be honest, uh, my girlfriend and I, we started watching it thinking, you know what? Fuck it. We've watched so many Christmas movies over the last week or, or two. This one's probably not going to be good. Let's just put it on while like we open presents and, you know, look at stuff. And we took a break from opening presents and we pretty much watched most of this movie because it was surprisingly good. Um, it captured the feel of the original Christmas story in pretty much every way. Um, 
it was a really good movie um it might end up being in my rotation um next christmas as a movie i at least watch a part of at some point on the 25th so christmas story christmas very simple um I even I think when I wish these guys a Merry Christmas yesterday, I know uh, uh, Mark and his wife Christine were looking for you know just different you know Christmas movies to watch, and um, I let him know about it just in case uh, he had never heard about it, like I hadn't. Yeah, I, I I didn't hear about it. I remember it came out last year, and I think I think. I mentioned it last year to Christine and she was kind of like, eh, I've kind of burnt out on the Christmas story one. I don't know if I need to see the, the sequel, but I did kind of forget about it until you mentioned it. So we'll have to check it out. Cause it, it sounds good. I, I love the original too. I just watched it like a billion times like everyone else. So everyone does. Um, all right. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, this was our last episode of 2023. Um, I was trying to, to see how many we did this year i thought i had it in front of me but anyway besides the point um this is our 12th year doing this i think because we yeah, started 12 years. 2012 yeah. so we're counting 2012 and you know this is year 2023 so we've been doing this for a hot minute people we've been doing this for a hot minute um sport has definitely gotten worse uh kidding not really um but yeah, um, we've been doing this a while. We're gonna keep doing it, um, at least for the time being. <laughs> no, I don't. I like doing it, so I'll be here. You know, every now and then I say I'm not, but I'm here. Yeah. I plan on being here. So we'll be back next week to kick off 2024 in what I hope is a better year than 2023. Um, a lot of different levels. We had a good, but at least let's talk about the, the MMA, an MMA topic. I feel it wasn't a great. It wasn't necessarily a great year. And last year we started the year off with video of the owner of the or the president of the UFC slapping his wife upside her fucking head twice, as Mark said. He went back for round two. Uh, don't forget that. Um, so uh, yeah, um, let's if we can be if, if it's better than that, you know, that's already you know <coughs> we're already off to a good start there, guys. So um, if you're really hankering for MMA, I believe if you wanted to watch it live, the Rising card is on the 29th. But it is airing on Chris on New Year's Eve also. Uh, something that Mark used to do and I used to do sometimes with him. Uh, you know, it's not really a thing anymore. Um, the New Year's Eve show is not really as deep as it used to be. But that's the thing they used to do. So that was a big deal in Japan back in the day. Now I just kind of wish New Japan was doing that instead. And not making us wait till the 4th. Um, so we'll be back next week. I uh, hope you had an all-safe holiday and, you know, have a safe New Year's. If you don't drink, this is not the time of year to go fucking pro. You know, just saying. It's, I don't like New Year's Eve. Um, just saying. Um, we'll be back next week doing our. We're gonna be produ- We're gonna be predicting. We're gonna do predictions. All of us. Five predictions for 2024. Um, Bear versus Islam Mahachev in a UFC fight. That's one right there. Get that one for free. Um, anyway, I'll be back next week. Mark will be back next week. Mike should be back next week. Thank you all for listening to us this year and all of our bullshit. And when I go on rants and we just talk about nonsense and going down the rabbit hole, we do this for fun. Hope you guys had fun too. So for last time in 2023, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Have a safe and happy New Year's and see you guys in the new year. Peace. See ya.
You hear that, man? I have like real outro shit, you know? I guess like I'm really running a fucking show here. Really, you know? I'm now hearing, everybody's hearing my patting myself on the back now, but still, nevertheless. You're, you're really spitting some heartfelt shit right there, Bobby. Real heartfelt shit. After I fucking went on a rant about how much I don't like the things happening in this sport. Life's about balance. Life's about balance. I got my Leon Edwards shirt. Makes me happy. All right. Thanks, guys. See y'all next year.